um, is that this is going to be a very practical message today. Very practical. Uh, I, I think that uh, a lot of the times we, we get kind of, we jump in um, the deep end on a lot of it and we get a lot of, uh, of um, good theological knowledge and, and some good practical stuff. But today I think is going to be, at least how I have it planned, is going to be heavy on the practical side because I, I think that as we are walking with Jesus down or through this sermon um, that he is uh, He's giving here on or in Luke chapter six. Um, I, I think that sometimes what we could do is we can get lost in the loftiness of, of the, the, the the delivery and the sermon, and we can forget that you know all this stuff that we're hearing we're supposed to apply. Because I, I think that uh, it's easy for us, and I'll raise my hand and say it's easy. It's easy for me sometimes to hear a lot of good stuff and, and get all juiced up and amped up about learning new stuff, but then um, what happens is I have a tendency to not apply what it is I've learned. And I don't think that it's, um, we're really not learning in the true sense the Bible if we're not applying what it is that we've learned. We're just getting a bunch of head knowledge and we'll be like those bobblehead dolls. You know, you walk around and your head just is so big you can't fit through the door. So what I want to do is kind of just put some application in, into uh, the mix today. And, and I see that, that it's uh, set forth for us. I mean, this is a requirement of us. We see this here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It says, whoever he, or whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Um, who, who's being talked about here? Who's, who's uh, the, the, the object in, in this, this text here? Anybody? Jesus, there we go. Say, man, you get a gold star for the day. Um, so whoever says that he abides in him, so that he is like, so if, if I say that I abide in him, and that's one of my favorite words, and Brian and I were just talking about this. Uh, I think we talk about this almost every time we get together. But abide and dwell, it means to set up, um, set up house or set up a, a tent in, to dwell inside uh, of, of God. Um, so it says, whoever says that he abides in him, him being Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is one of those things that I, I think that we hear this a lot and we say, yep, okay, we flash back to the WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know, I love that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, not poking fun. But that's, that, that, we flash back that and we, we understand that we have those initials in our head, but we don't really have a tendency to act upon them. Because what would Jesus do is kind of like a secondary notion to what it is that what would L do? What would Lee do? What would I want to do? What would make me more comfortable in the situation? Because I'm sure what Jesus wants me to do is going to make me a little bit uncomfortable. So, here it says that we need to walk in the way in which he walked. So, I'm thinking as we're going through Luke chapter 6, this sermon, I think Jesus gives us a, a really clear um, example. He gives us a really clear picture of how he walked in some aspects. So, turn back to Luke chapter 6 now, now that I've kind of set the, the, the stage here. Um, because we want to walk the way in which Jesus walked. Now, I'll throw the, the, the disclosure out there. That when, we, when we say things like, I want to walk, or we should walk like Jesus walked, well, um, some will say, well, last time I checked, he was murdered on a tree. 
So are we supposed to all be martyrs? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not saying that we should go to the, that degree and say that you should seek out martyrdom. You should seek out persecution. You should seek out a tough life just because uh, Jesus did it. Or uh, I think we talked last week uh, a little bit, or maybe it was a week before, like, if you really love Jesus, you'll be poor like Jesus was poor. That's not what's being said here. Jesus set forth a, a, a clear set of principles in which to live by. Um, today we're going to look at three of those principles um, in, in what, what Jesus has set forth. And we're going to see it from just that text that we, uh, we, we read right there. Focusing on verse 50, or I'm sorry, on verse 40 as where it says, um, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, he or she, when, you, when you're fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, I don't want to imply that we are going to be uh, like God in the sense that we are going to become gods. There are some religions that teach that, that if you just do good enough and you just um, uh, give enough and you just uh, balance the scales or, and you exceed that you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll become gods one day. Well, no, that's not what's being said here. It's Jesus is giving forth a, a, a way in which to live, a prin principles in which to live by. And he's saying that you, when you start out, when I start out, you're probably going to jack it up a lot. But what's going to happen is as you grow and as you mature and as you're fully trained, you're going to become better at it. You're going to become more, it's going to be oozing from you just like it was coming from Christ. And I want to say that as, a, as an encouragement because I, I think that um, a, a lot of times what we do is uh, we, we hit an obstacle and we see that, man, this is, I'm not supposed to feel this way. Or I'm not supposed to think this way. Or I'm not supposed to, okay, what we have to do is we have to look at this as a training moment. We're all about training. You, anybody that's sitting in my office at any amount of time, maybe even in here you've heard this, um, it's all about training. It's not about trying. It's about training. We can try all we want. I use the illustration, I can try to run a marathon, and then you guys would be voting in a new pastor, because I, I, would, I would fall over dead, I'm sure. But if I trained to run that marathon, it would be a totally different um, story. I, I would be able to, 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 to finish. It might take like three and a half days, but... Um, but there's a big difference. There's a big difference in trying and there's a big difference to, in training. When we try, it's, well, I'm just, I'm trying to do my best. Well, you can try to do your best in that moment. But when you train for something, it's the, it, it, it encompasses the moments before that as well. So it doesn't just encompass this one particular moment. It, it, it goes back and it encompasses all of this that goes into that. I think that we have a tendency, and I do sometimes, to get into the mindset, well, I'll just do that later. I'll procrastinate, and I'll try harder later. No, don't try harder later. Train better now. And I think that that's what Jesus is giving us as he's setting forth here in this sermon, is he's given us the tools in which we need to train. Uh, the, the, the title of, of today's message is, um, and, and I love this word, a magnanimous disposition. Magnanimous disposition. disposition. Who in here, by show of hands, has used the word magnanimous? Yeah, can you say it now? Magnanimous this week. This month. Ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Yerke has, I know that. Of course the teacher did. 
magnanimous. I, I, I saw this and I'm like, yes, because here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at uh, this magnanimous disposition. Uh, and magnis- magnanimous, I got a little uh, breakdown here so we understand what this means. It's made up of, of um, two Latin words, magnus, which I, I think we probably have heard, which means great, all right? Magnus, which means great, and animus, which means spirit, so if we were look, to look at magnanimous, we, we would look at this word and it means like great-spirited, great-spirited or great-souled. Um, it, it really describes, if you, uh, if you were to pull out your phone and look at it, it kind of, it, it describes on, on, I think it's dictionary.com, um, a generous or a, um, a forgiving nature. So when I say here that we're the, the, the focus today, and we're, we're thinking about this on the lines of this is the way in which Jesus wants us to walk, um, and, and mind you, uh, the reason that Jesus wants us to walk and why we should even uh, uh, entertain the idea of the way in which Jesus wants us to walk is just, I think it's all wrapped up in the last song you guys say, Jesus paid it all. So he died on the cross to save us, uh, to save us from the penalty of sin, to save us um, from separation from God. So if he did that for us, why would we not want to listen to what he has put forth for us? So I, I have to say that because I don't want to, uh, anybody to think that, well, this is a practical sermon. We can practically apply everything here and just kind of forget of what Jesus did. No, it's because of what Jesus did that we can practically apply what it is we're going to, we're going to learn today. So, um, this magnanimous disposition. Uh, disposition, that's another word that not a lot of people use. Uh, most of you probably know what it means, but it's probably not a, a, a word in which most people use in their, their, you know, their everyday vernacular. Um, the, the, so, I'll give you just a quick, for, for those of you who are sitting there saying, yeah, I know what it means, but you're inside, you're like, I have no freaking idea what that word means. But it means the predominant tendency of one's spirit. So the tendency of one's spirit. I like to think of this, the, the, this disposition, as like a, a, a reactive character quality. A reactive character quality. And, and, and I say this because it, it's not like something that um, you sit around and you think about, but it's like when something happens to you, it's how you react in that, in that, that situation. So we can say a lot of things. And, and we do. We say a lot of things. If I were put in situation X, this is how I would react. We can say that, but until we're put into that situation, we don't know how we're going to react. But it, it, the, the disposition is the reaction that comes out, and it's a character quality which comes out when put into the situation. And I, I think that as we look at this today, this magnanimous disposition, what we have to understand is this is what, what Christ wants for his disciples. He wants this for, for his disciples. This great spirit, this great soul reaction to uh, certain situations. Well, in this, we, we look in um, Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at three things in which I believe that um, Jesus is uh, communicating here as certainties for his disciples. And, and so if you're taking notes, you can put down three dispositions of a disciple. Three dispositions of a disciple. Uh, the first one, and the first disposition we're going to, to look at is um, an accepting disposition. Accepting, not accepting. It, it, it's 
accepting, A-C-C-E-P-T-I-N-G, accepting, like you're accepting something. So we are to have an accepting uh, disposition. We see here in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, love this. Love this because even, even our um, unchurched friends, even the, the, our, our friends and our family that have never opened the Bible ever, um, they've memorized this verse. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Pause for a second. So what we have here is what we, what we have people when all right, I'm, I'm, I'm having a conversation with my friend, and my friend is, um, uh, he doesn't go to, he doesn't go to the church here, you know, he, but he's living a lifestyle that is not um, a good lifestyle. Uh, he, he's living a lifestyle that he's, you know, in the bar all the time, uh, he's cheating on his wife, he's not taking care of his kids, and I say to my friend, I'm, I say, hey, um, you know what you're doing is wrong, and you shouldn't be doing that. Not going into any detail. Well, he lashes back at me and he says, well, who are you to judge me? Doesn't the Bible say, aren't you a Christian? Doesn't the Bible say you're not allowed to judge me? Well, the Bible says, I'm glad you brought that up. It says judge not unless you be judged. Condemn not unless you be condemned. What, what Jesus is communicating here is not that we should just let things happen is not that we should just accept everything and take it as, oh, it, it doesn't matter. What Jesus is saying is we should not have a judgmental attitude. Big difference. And I think that we can even term this as judgmentalism, if you want to put an ism on the end of it. So we're not to be judgmental. What does that mean? Well, what happens in judgmentalism is when, when, uh, when you see something and I, I would go out on a limb that everybody is guilty of this at some point in their life. And, and we need to be aware of it. We need to change this. But at some point in your life, you have been uh, judgmental or fallen into judgmentalism because how, how you can see um, uh, how, uh, the, the um, or, or what, what brings this to light? Like if you were to look at situations and see, uh, am I really being judgmental in this? Do I have a judgmental attitude? What normally happens in judgmentalism, it's a revelation of one's own soul. Just think about this for a second. What happens is somebody, you're being, you will be judgmental, you'll be critically spirited towards somebody because of something they, that they've done. And really the motivation of why you're being judgmental is because you're dealing with the same thing on your own. But what you think is you point out their sin, you point out what they're doing, so you can kind of feel better about yourself. But Jesus says, no, we're not to be judgmental. We're not to hold someone else to a standard higher than which we are living to. That's what it means. Jesus uses the word hypocrite. A lot of our friends have used that word maybe towards us. Well, you're a hypocrite. You say this, but you don't do this. Well, you're right, and I need to stop. I mean, how else do you, how else do you combat that? Jesus says, judge not unless you be judged, condemn not unless you be condemned. He says, make sure the spirit in which you have is not a spirit that you're going around um, not accepting people. Because Jesus accepted people. Now, let me say this. That doesn't mean that we have to accept the sin. 
We are to be accepting of the individual, but that doesn't mean that we have to accept the lifestyle or the sin or whatever it is that's attached to that individual. That doesn't mean that, that, that um, we, we uh, beat them over the head in which every time in which we have uh, uh, um, or every opportunity in which we have, every chance we get to do that. No, that what we, what we mean or what that means is we accept them into our lives and then we love them so much that they see the love of Christ and, and, and we just pray, pray for them, we pray for the situation, we pray that God moves and he works in, in, in their life to see the error of their way. For a lot of us, that, that's difficult because that, that, that um, involves patience with some people. It involves us being uh, able to look past what we think is wrong, and it may even be wrong, but look at the person. When he says, don't be condemning, don't, don't condemn the person, because what, what happens is too many times we look at the person and say, you're ruining something wrong, and then we don't even get to know the person maybe the person doesn't know what they're doing is wrong. Maybe they do. Maybe they, they don't care. It's not up to you on how you respond to what they're doing. What it is up to you is how you respond to them. Jesus says we're supposed to be accepting. We're supposed to have a, 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 a disposition of, of acceptance or an accepting disposition. Remember, that disposition is, so when you're faced with that, that response that comes out is one that, it, it, it's a reaction. It's not that, okay, I got to sit here and think about it. I got to bite my tongue. Is that where a lot of us are? Absolutely. But what we're, where we need to be is that we need to get to the point where, where it's just, that's what flows from us. Because we can talk all day long about how we can, you know, grow the church and how we can, uh, you know, expand in numbers and we got to blow out walls and all this other stuff so we can fit everybody in here. We can talk about that. We can dream about that. But why in the world would anybody want to come to a place where they're not accepted? Do we accept everybody and everything? No. What we do is we we accept the people and we love them. That's what Jesus is saying here. Judge not lest lest you be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. There, there's, there's a mindset that has taken place here. Jesus goes on in the, the, the second thing here that we can see uh, um, in the second disposition of, of, of a disciple is this is tough for some. For me, it has been forgiving, a forgiving disposition. He goes on, Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. This is This is hard. Because to forgive someone means you have to like, deal with what has taken place in the past. But do you understand what she did to me? No, I, I, I honestly don't. God does. But I, I, I was really hurt, not minimizing that by any stretch. But Jesus doesn't say here, Forgive if it's okay and if circumstances are convenient for you. He says, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Now, I think it's important that we say that it's, uh, um, 
Is this that something like that to be forgiven by God, you have to forgive now? I think that it's a very clear indicator by the rest of God's word. What it says is it's not that we have to forgive to be forgiven in the sense like I got to forgive first and then God forgives me. But it's, it's understanding that because I've been forgiven, one of the fruits of, of, is, that's going to be displayed is I'm going to be able to forgive. This is important, and I think it's an evidence that we have been forgiven. As I was reading this week, I came across something that says, um, true Christians can and do forgive. This is not to say that they do not struggle with forgiving, or that they are free from battles with bitterness or hatred, or that they are never so hurt in, a su- in such a emotional shock that they are unable to respond with forgiveness, but it is to say that they work at forgiving and ultimately do forgive. It's not saying that you got it all figured out. It's saying that's what we got to work towards. Jesus is laying, he's laying down the gauntlet here. He's saying, okay, here's the deal. My disciples forgive. If we were to say, I'm a disciple of Christ, but y'all can go to hell, I'm just good, what kind of disciple will we be? Not a very good one, right? No, there are characteristics, there are things, there are dispositions, like we're saying, there are things that are going to be manifested through us because we're a disciple of Christ. And a forgiving heart is one. It's not easy. Maybe accepting is. Maybe accepting someone is easier for you, but now you're, you're thinking, ah, whew, that forgiveness, I don't know. That's pretty difficult. I, I agree. I totally agree. But remember the words of Jesus. What were, the, what were some of the last words in which he said while hanging naked on a tree bleeding? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Sometimes people don't understand how they're hurting us. Sometimes, maybe they do understand, they don't care. Were there people that that walked by Jesus on the cross and and knew what was going on? Absolutely. It says that they wagged their heads and they spit upon them. And he said, Father, forgive them. Don't ever look into a, a situation and say, I can't when it comes to forgiveness. Because you can. It may be hard. It may be difficult. You may need help. And that's okay. But you can and you should forgive. It doesn't say, some people say, yeah, just forgive and forget. Show me where it says that in the Bible. We, ha- we are not able to forget. The only one who is able to forget sin is God. He says that he's taken that and he's thrown it, he's spread it as far as the east is from the west. He remembers our sin no more. But as human beings, we have a tendency to hold on to the past and the hurt. But what, what, what is a, 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 a um, defining quality is even, being, even when you do hold on to something that you've been hurt so bad, a defining quality in, in knowing, even for yourself, maybe no one else can see this, but for yourself, knowing that you have honestly and truly forgiven someone, even knowing what, what, what truly happened, 
That's a defining quality in, in, in uh, your, your own growth in Christ. Maybe somebody does know the whole situation, and they can look through you and say, wow, you forgave so-and-so, but you remember what they did to you? I, I, absolutely. But I can remember what I did to God. That's, that's the way in which I think of that, and I've got to be reminded all the time. You can forgive. Forgiveness is, is so freeing for the individual. When you don't forgive, it's like uh, drinking poison. If you were to take a bottle of poison and you were to, to drink it, and, or say I was to drink it and I wanted the effect to happen to Bobby, what kind of logic is behind that? That's what unforgiveness is. That's what bitterness is. It'll kill me. It won't affect him. Forgiveness is, is being freed from that burden, that bondage, that weight that's there. Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. It'll be, and when we forgive, it'll be a display of the forgiveness in which God has given us. He, he, it says back in verse 36, be merciful even as your father is merciful. Some people in which we need to forgive is going to be a show of great, it's going to be a great show of mercy. The third thing, the third disposition of a disciple. I like this. It's a giving disposition. It's a giving disposition. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. There's a lot of prosperity gospel preachers that take this text and they just run all day with it. It says, so right here, it says that, you know, you give a bunch to the church and then you'll get a bunch in return. That's not what it's saying. It is saying that the measure in which you give, it'll be returned to you. I, I look at this and I understand that I can't outgive God. I, I don't, it doesn't matter how much I try, you can't ever outgive God. So I, I, I look at this and I, and I say, okay. This is the motivation in which I want to live in when I'm giving to God. I want to live with, with I want to give him good measure. Because what happens, let, let's talk about this. Time, talent, and treasure. Those are the three T's that you, when, when um, we, we talk about uh, giving. Those are like the three T's that come up. When we look to giving God, and we're talking about our time, or we're talking about our talent, or we're talking about our treasure, we have to ask, our question, ask this question, am I giving God a good measure, or am I giving him what's left over? And, and I, I can't answer that for anybody in here. I can answer that for, for me, for me and my house. I want to make sure that I'm giving him the good measure. That means the first of my time. That means the first of my talent. That means the first of my treasure. Well, I disagree with you, preacher, because, you know, as long as you give one of those things, it covers all of them. I'll push back and say, if you only give of your time and you don't give of your talent and you don't give of your treasure, you don't understand giving. 
Because God doesn't want your time. God doesn't want your talent. God doesn't want your treasure. God wants your heart. When we give of our time, when we give of our talent, when we give of our treasure, he transforms our heart. And here it says, and I I love this imagery that, that Jesus is using here. He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So it, it's thinking, think about like um, putting um, like barley or, or, or something, in, it, or some kind of seed into a, a container. And when you put it in, it, it says here, it's, it's good measure. So you, you kind of overflow this. But you don't just overflow this container. It says here that it, it's, it's pressed down. So you have this container that, that, that's sitting here. And, and what keeps running to my mind, I was making uh, sun tea yesterday. So I, I put a cup of sugar in my sun tea. So I, I'm, dumping, I'm dumping this um, sugar into the, this one cup, uh, uh, measure, the measuring cup, and I'm dumping it in. And I want to make sure that it's, it's exactly one cup. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm dumping it in, and it starts to heap over. So I press down on it. My hands were clean, but I press down on it to make sure that it's all in there. Then you kind of shake it around to make sure all of the, 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 uh, the air bubbles are, are, are out. Hey, everybody look at the baby. It's crying. Babies cry. It's all right. <laughs> we love babies crying. It shows life in the church. All right. So, but I, I, I take this and, and I, I, I press it down. I shake it together to make sure everything's out. And so at that point, I, I need to, to add a little bit more to it. Here's what, 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 it, what, what Jesus is using. He's using the same imagery. It's like, so you can't imagine what, what, what God's going to do with what it is that he, he, you're putting in here. So you're putting this in, and as you're putting this in, you want to make sure that you're giving every bit in which you can. Well, that kind of sounds cultishly. I'm not, just hear me out on this. Let me, let me say this, because, again, you can't outgive God. When we have the mindset, I'm just giving to get in return, yes, you're going to have a bad mindset. You're going to look at, at, at your tithe check and, and say, wow, I can't do that. That's an awful lot of money. I, I, that, that may be a car payment. Okay. You can't outgive God. Giving is one of those things that is a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful topic in the scripture, which I try to avoid as much as possible because I hate talking about giving. Because I get all, like I am now, I'm kind of like nervous, like I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, but it's what's needed because money is the closest thing to our heart. And Jesus says this, or God says this in Malachi, he says, test me. When it comes to that, because it is so close, Jesus says you can't, you can't serve uh, two masters, God and money. He doesn't say God and Satan. He says God and money because that is the thing that is closest to our heart. When, when Jesus, or when, in Malachi, he says, test me. God says, test me. See that I won't open the floodgates. See that I won't open the windows of, of, of heaven. That's not the motivation to give. That's understanding when we do give, God wants to bless. Now, will that be monetarily? I don't know. Maybe it's with health. Maybe it's with family and friends. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's not up to you and to, and the, um, to uh, how God responds to that. It's up to you for your faithfulness. Jesus is saying here that for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It, it, it's, it's understanding how can you, how can you 
honestly, let's speak logically here. How can we logically think that if we only give God just a little bit, he's going to just show ab- throw abundance on me? No, with the measure in which we give, the measure in which we use, it'll be given back to us. That's with our, our, our time. Well, I don't have enough time to spend, you know, that, you know, giving X, Y, Z to God. Okay. Understood. I heard a, a, a pastor one time that uh, it was the, the, the 2% rule. Like, if you were to look at your week, um, and if you went to church on Sunday, that's only 2% of all your week. 2%. 2%. How much of your life do you want God to bless? 2%? I, I know me, I want him to bless... A hundred percent. Do I always live in that good measure? No, but I need to be reminded of that good measure. I need to be reminded that, that, that okay, so if, if I want, in here, I'll, I'll think, I'll just think out loud here for a minute. Um, so if I want God to, to bless everything that I do, it means I got to give him everything that I've got. But what we do is we want God to bless everything that we do, but we don't give him everything that we've got. We actually kind of put God as, a, as an addendum on the end. We're working, doing something. I don't know, you're, you're, you're painting or you're mowing the grass or I, whatever. You're doing something and, and you're, you're encountering, uh, you know, you're looking at the storm clouds that are coming and you're like, oh God, I hope it doesn't rain. Please don't let it rain. Well, okay. To me, that sounds like an afterthought. Should we pray the prayer? Absolutely, pray the prayer. Don't, don't, don't think of that as we shouldn't pray the prayer. But what if we were to, before we started anything, God, just uh, I want to give you this lawnmower and this wretched grass that I've got to mow. Please, just let me endure this, whatever it may be. I get it. But whatever the good measure is, understand it's a good measure. Put everything you've got into it. Because when you don't put everything you've got into it, how can we um, expect God to give us everything he's got? I, I, uh, I, I reflect and I, I hear, I hear the, the, the echo and, and just the, the, the remembrance of, of Matthew 25 here and um, Jesus' parable of uh, the, the, the talents, the actual, you know, the, the money talents, not the talents as like singing or whatever. But I think it is a, a, a good representation of what, uh, what we should do with our time, our talent, and our treasures. He says that if you, you don't use it, I'm going to take that away. And then he says to these, those who did, who did use it, who, who um, uh, did give uh, accordingly or invest accordingly, accordingly and that, that did give the good measure. He says in, in Matthew 25, 21, well done, my good and faithful servant. Think about that. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I, I, I don't know about everyone. I know about me. I want to be, I want to enter into the joy of my master. I want to be faithful over much. Call me conceited, call me arrogant, whatever. I want to be faithful over much. I want God to say, you know what? He's been faithful with little, then I'm going to put him over much. I want that. But that requires me to be faithful in the smalls first, Right? Be faithful. Make sure that I'm giving the good measure. Make sure that I'm focusing on what God wants me to focus on. 
not focusing on uh, the, the, the exterior things. Jesus is telling us here, he says, so we need to be accepting. We need to be forgiving. We need to be giving. I just read a, a, a book. Actually, I'm not done with it yet. I'm almost done. Um, it's called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And in this book, th- th- this guy, he took uh, a, a, a well, um, well-named author. Um, well, you guys might know. Uh, remember that, that I Am a Church membership book that we, that little one? Same author, Tom Rainer, uh, the president and CEO of Lifeway. Um, publishing and everything. He wrote this book, and they, what he did is they took 14 different churches that, that died, and they looked at these 14 different churches and just looked at patterns and how, what happened in, in these churches. And the, 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 the thing that, that came up the most and was um, in every single one of these churches that, that just came through was that their focus of each of these churches were on the inside. They were inwardly focused and not outwardly focused. They were focused on their own needs and not focused on the needs of other, others. They, they didn't have a giving disposition. They had a taking disposition. And I, I read that and I'm like, wow, I, I don't want us to be that way. And I'm not implying on any stretch that that's where we're at, but I don't want us to be that way. I want us to have this give, give, give attitude. I want us to be able to, to, to be able to stand in front of Jesus and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with, with little. I'm going to give you much now. The practical part of all of this, I think, comes in what I want to uh, identify here as our certainties. Maybe you got, all this is going to do is just going to put this into um, a, a quick little, what is it, nine words in which you can remember. Accepted people, accept. Forgiven people, forgive. Given people, give. If you didn't hear anything else today, just, just hear that. Accepted people, Accept. So if we're sitting here and we're saying, I'm a disciple of Christ, you've been accepted, okay, so you need to accept. Forgiven people, forgive. If I'm a disciple of Christ, okay, you need to forgive. Giving, or given people, you've been given, you've been given God's grace, you've been given, if you're sitting here saying that you're a disciple of Christ, you've been given more than you can imagine. Given people, give. Let's let that just kind of be the, the, the practical application of, of this week. So when we face whatever it is we're facing this week, the, the situations, whatever those situations, let's just remember, man, she's really making me mad. Okay, forgiven people, forgive. It's not going to be easy. Well, look at this guy. Look at him walking. He's got spiked hair up to here. He looks kind of weird. Accepted people, Except, well, I don't have any money to give. I don't have any time to give. I don't have any talent to give. Remember, giving people give. Let's pray.
Our Father God in heaven, uh, Lord, we thank you. God, we... Uh, I want to make sure that we all know, and I think we do, but God, I want to make sure that we understand that these, this little quip, accepted people accept, forgiven people forgive, given people give, this is all only accomplishable, only able to be done because of what you have done for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we, we thank you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask that we can just continually be guided by you, that we can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can hear these things, we can apply these things, we can see how practical these are in our lives. So if we want to see uh, growth among us, that when people come in, they understand that uh, this is a place in which I'm accepted and forgiven, and uh, I have people around me that, that want to give their life uh, in, in, for the best interest of mine. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you. Praise in your name.